shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking shit show. Shit show. Welcome back to Shit Show. Saturday sets all. Saturday, folks. How's it going? Uh, today, you're going to get to hear from a bunch of shit shows. This is a recording from last night's Shit Show support group where we discussed abandonment as well as insights from this past week's episode on emotional flashbacks. Now, I do these periodically so that you can get a sense of what the hell we have going on in this community. What I mean is what the hell you're missing out on by not being a part of this community. Now, I created this community selfishly, okay? Like, let's be honest. Uh, I needed support. You know, I didn't really feel like I had people in my life who really understood and got what it was that I was experiencing. And I started getting emails and DMs from all y'all after I started the podcast. And I was like, holy shit, these are my people. These are my people. And so what I want this to be more so than anything is a place where people feel safe sharing whatever, like a place where you can come as yourself and share whatever the hell it is that you need to share without any fear of judgment and to know that you will be unconditionally loved and accepted. That is with the exception of calling me Andrea. (laughs) That is the one uh, deal breaker here. So you're gonna get to hear somebody who was extremely vulnerable in last night's group. Um, And I wanna just share what he just put in the chat because it made me tear up. And so what he said was, thank you all for providing a safe space here and in the group meetings. It's really helping me feel safer throughout everyday life and giving me the courage to be me. I'm feeling tremendously grateful for you all today. And I responded to him and I said, I was just thinking about you. I want more than anything for this to be a safe place for y'all to share anything without fear of judgment. Your share really touched me. You were loved and accepted here no matter what. The one condition on that being calling me Andrea. (laughs) And then he replied, Andrea, thank you for saying that. I don't think I have had a greater sense of self than I have today. I appreciate you. this is a special place guys what the fuck are you doing (laughs) come on board we're waiting for you seriously what the hell are you waiting for we are your people and all we want to do is just like love and support you and say fuck with you (laughs) come on just stand the doing shit show okay thanks love you all they say that I should damn the John shit show. They say that that's where people go to heal. They say that I'll feel seen and heard like I have never felt before. So I'm going to damn the joint right now. Okay, so as I put in the community, I thought that we could talk about the episode yesterday. I understand some of y'all probably haven't listened to it. And um, as well as uh, I'm going to read, it was yesterday's reading from Strengthening My Recovery on Abandonment, which ties together. Uh, Okay, so uh, abandonment means more than being left alone or left at a doorstep. 
We felt abandoned emotionally as children when we were criticized and felt we didn't measure up to expectations. These abandonment feelings were made worse when we felt compelled to keep family secrets, which brought a continual sense of shame that someone could find out how really dysfunctional our homes were. As adults, this often resulted in feeling triggered to build up highly emotional responses toward the pain of loss. Before ACA, we living with all this pain and shame caused us to look outside ourselves for love and safety. But with the help and guidance of our program and each other, we learned that self-worth, self-nurturing, and a feeling of safety can be developed within ourselves. Thus, our confidence grows and recovery becomes real, especially as we strengthen our belief in a higher power. Recovery works if we don't stare at the past, but decide to make new memories each day. We find that developing into a new adult is rewarding. At the same time, our inner child continues to grow in a healthy way. ACA teaches us to be confident in the knowledge that we are in charge of ourselves. We can learn to live in the present and concentrate on each day's blessing. On this day, I know I am not alone. I have the support of my ACA family that is helping me heal from my past and build a strong future. So abandonment wounds are just the fucking worst. (laughs) It really is just the worst thing ever. And yeah, I just, it just continues to blow my mind as I continue to realize just how deep these wounds are. And, you know, as I shared in the episode yesterday, you know, that this year I've experienced more uh, emotional flashbacks than I have in any uh, prior year. And, you know, I, I know that like part of the reason that my subconscious or my higher power or whatever, um, you know, is allowing me to have these experiences is because I'm, I'm in a place where I can now start to handle it. But I think a large part of that is that I now have the support in my life needed to go through these experiences because this is actually like, this is like where the fucking healing lies is like actually in those moments of being in these emotional flashbacks, you know? And um, I guess it was about a year ago or maybe, I don't know, two years ago. Um, I, I, w- I was able to like recognize in the moment that that's what I was going to, but I wasn't really able to, um, I don't know, like really like sit with it. Um, and, and so now this year when I've been experiencing them, you know, I have been able to sit with the pain as much as I can. Um, and it's just such a weird experience to know what's going on, but at the same time, like the, the feelings still stay there. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's been interesting, like for Tiffany to where like, like I I'm, I'm in the midst of like an emotional flashback. I know that what I'm feeling has nothing to do with the present circumstance at hand, but like, I feel like I want to fucking kill myself, you know, like it's horrible. And it's just been the most like amazing experience to like be on the phone with her, like in this condition 
um, having somebody know exactly how I'm feeling and not judge me. And then the craziest part about it is like when we're able to like, like laugh about it, like in the moment, like I feel like I want to die, but then there's like these brief moments where like, you know, I'm, 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 we're able to bring some sort of like a joke or like humor um, to the situation about like what we're experiencing. And there's just something that's just like, I don't know, like, God, we have to have, like, we have to have support. Like we can't do this shit by ourselves. And so, yeah, I, I guess I, I just realized like, it's, there's so much, there's many more emotional flashbacks. I think, unfortunately, like for me to feel, um, and that's okay. And I, you know, I always get to the other side and, um, it is just, it just baffles me. I just feel so grateful that I have the, the knowledge and these, the awareness of what's going on on top of that, that I have just the most amazing people in my life to support me. All of you guys, like, I just feel so fucking incredibly honored to, to have y'all support and that I can come here and be myself and I don't have to act like I have it all together. Um, and you guys love me anyways. So that's it. Speaketh. Hi, everybody. Um, this is just like, I can't believe we're talking about this today. <laughs> um, I'm not always caught all the way up with episodes, um, but I just happened to listen to um, the latest episode yesterday. And um, today in therapy this afternoon was all about abandonment issues. And um, I didn't know that I had a trauma issue like that that my all of my problems were from trauma and that there was even something called complex PTSD until after 15 years of a really terrible marriage that was just volatile and awful that I ended up leaving and I I don't say that to blame the other person we were two very injured people who didn't know what the fuck was going on trying to you know be in a one of the most difficult relationships you could ever possibly be in which it's a marriage when you live with somebody so but um I've had some epiphanies around abandonment in the last few years um and you know people would always say you know you got you just have to learn how to feel your feelings and I'm like I'm pretty sure I fucking feel my feelings like I feel them I feel them a lot I cry a lot like I feel my feelings you know and like I just I don't know why I just didn't I couldn't understand what I was doing wrong. And I've now gotten to this place where it's, it, I get it. I get it. it. It has so much more to do with um, knowing it's going to pass through you, like letting it pass through you and not feeling like you need to do something in that in that discontentment like this is always and when you've been abandoned and you're looking for external uh, external things to like you know fix how you feel on the inside you want to do something when you feel that way whether it's text that person or you know I self-injured as a teenager like whatever it is and so just being able to sit and not do anything about how you're feeling at the moment other than just let it pass through you and try to soothe yourself like I I'm like oh this is what they meant <laughs> this whole time 
um, crying in the bathroom floor thinking I'm going to die from a panic attack is not necessarily feeling your feelings. Um, and uh, one of the big epiphanies that I, well, I want to back up just a hair because um, I, I come from a family, everything you just said about abandonment and secrets and like, this is, sometimes I look at my life and I don't even feel like it, it possibly happened the way that it did. Um, but I didn't meet my biological father until I was 18. Uh, awful things happened when I was little. And then my mom met my stepdad who was an alcoholic and like completely emotionally absent. I was emotionally neglected growing up. And then, um, there's incest in my family and tons of just so much abuse and horrible domestic violence. I've just seen awful stuff. And, you know, my mom never protected me from any of that. And so the, the abandonment wounds and the like completely feeling invisible runs really deep. <laughs> and so this epiphany that I, that I had recently, um, was about all the ways that I self-abandon and I I am somebody who like I love people so much I I love my friends I've always put relationships on pedestals um and I am really disappointed when they don't work out and I just I had it just clicked that not only do I self-abandon in all the negative ways that we talk about right not standing up for yourself not having good boundaries whatever but even all this love that I had to give, I what I couldn't, I couldn't bring it internal. It was always external. Like I had to love everybody else. And like it was so wild to just have this moment of realizing I may or may not have been on psychedelics when this happened, but it was so crazy to like have this moment of of realizing that like I can give all of that to myself. I don't have like I can create the psychological and emotional safety that I need and I can love myself. Um, and coming from where I come from, like nobody in my family makes this decision and turns things around at no one. And so, and I've cut ties with almost everybody. So this has just been like, I feel this feels very in alignment right now, this conversation. So, um, thank you guys for listening. Um, I'm really excited to hear what everybody else has to say because I, this is a divine moment. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what's going on with everyone else. So thanks for listening. Hello, my brain's all over the place thinking about these things right now. Um, but something that I've had like floating through my head for the past couple weeks is uh, coming to mind, which is just, I've really tried to focus on like paying attention to like how many times daily that I'm in a situation where <clears throat> like I'm either living my truth or I'm backing off of it and like living in fear. Um, something as simple as listening to a conversation that somebody's got me trapped in while I'm at work and I have no fucking care in the world about what they're saying and either just sitting there and listening to it or just stopping them and just I mean, that's as small as it gets. Um, the other thing I was thinking about is um, when it comes to these emotional flashbacks, I've got this thing going through my brain after hearing everybody share that's like, I'm starting to think the intensity of an emotional flashback is directly correlated to the number of times I've been put in that similar situation and had to sit there and 
like abandon myself from it. It's more, I mean, they're the most intense, of course, when I'm in the same environment that I grew up in, like over at my mom's house. And the two obvious things that I've noticed were I get those same feelings outside of that environment when I'm around uh, a man that's balding, that's got a bigger stomach that likes to tuck in his shirt, t-shirts into his jeans, like my dad used to dress. And he walks around like uh, he's like the smartest man on the fucking planet. So that's one that I pick out that every time I'm around somebody, I just get this over, like my body locks up and it freezes. Um, same thing happens when I'm around women that are very anxious because that's my mom constantly. Um, but the other thing on emotional flashbacks that I think I'm starting to notice about myself is like, I think the reason they're so intense is because my body is doing everything in its power not to feel what it should feel in a situation like it was originally. Like my inner child in these situations is typically, I mean, wants to just scream at the top of his lungs um, like, <laughs> Uh, like when my parents were arguing and screaming and shouting and cussing and calling each other these crazy names in front of me when I was anywhere from like five to 10 years old, my inner child would be like, just stop yelling. It's, I mean, it's mind blowing how complicated and simple this thing is at the same time. Um, but I mean, like as far as this whole relating that to like living my truth. I think that's, I, I think it's bigger than just getting out of this like rotation of like trauma responses and triggers. It's just like, nobody should have to live a life where they can't be themselves yet. Like that's what we're taught from the moment we can even like start learning and it's really fucking annoying. It's really starting to annoy me that how many people are affected by just being taught to not be themselves. I will say too, I mean, when it comes to living my truth, I'm gonna just put it all out there right now. Um, I mean, a couple weeks ago, I was, starting to um, have trouble sleeping. So I was taking like some melatonin, like gummy things. And I kept uh, just wanting to experiment more. And I started taking a few that had like a little bit of THC in them. And I kept going up in the dosage. And so I guess I'm bringing this up because I can no really longer say that I'm sober and just putting it out there, but at the same time, not to uh, say that this is the right move or the wrong move, but I wanted to experiment with just fucking being able to tell people that and not feel like I'm hiding it from anybody because the worst feeling in the world I'm noticing is when I'm hiding myself from the world and uh, feels pretty fucking good not to do that anymore because I did that for a couple decades and it felt like shit. So that's what I got.
Hmm. Thanks for having the courage to say that. No judgment here. So I just got off my um, therapy session, which was all on abandonment. So interesting tie-in. And my therapist said two things that I had never thought of before um, when it comes to grief. And I've shared in other meetings on here that I lost my mentor and friend of 21 years suddenly the Monday before Thanksgiving. And I'm going through that grief process. And then I'm also shaming myself for it. Like, okay, this wasn't like, I mean, my dad, my dad died. Like, I know it's like, this isn't your dad, right? This isn't like, like get it together, you know? And of course being terrible to myself um, because I didn't, I wasn't as productive as I thought I should have been today and the other day and doing all of that crap. And she said, you know, the reason why this is also so exhausting for you and more exhausting to adult children is because you've lived an entire life with chronic grief as it is. So then when we have other grief, whether it's abandonment or someone dies or whatever that comes up or gets stirred up, it, it can overload a nervous system that is already dealing with chronic grief, chronic stress, et cetera. And then she said, when you're grieving this thing, it also brings up your stored grief from other things. And she's like, so as much as you're judging yourself, the reason why this is hitting you is it's also bringing up the feelings of grief that maybe I've, you know, suppressed or avoided about mom, about dad, about lost childhood, you know, and the work, you know, that's also bringing it up in our loving parent guidebook meeting. And I was like, wow, I, I never thought of that. And I do feel like my system is overloaded, like a circuit board that's like, can't, can't do it. I mean, I stared at the wall. What did I tell Andrea? I was like for three hours. And then today, an hour and a half went by. I couldn't tell you what happened. I didn't move and I keep leaving my body. And then I have to like, you know, I'll like massage my hand or squeeze my leg to bring myself back. And I'm just trying so hard to dissociate my system is from the grief, but it really helped me not not be so hard on myself and judge myself for it. It makes sense. You know, it's like, of course this is, of course I'm trying to escape this. It's too fucking much. I can only handle it in doses. So the dissociation is actually like almost a form of like protecting me and it's not necessarily in a bad way. So that helped me take, um, take the bat and stop beating myself up at least for like this last you know 90 minutes and I'll take that reprieve because I'm really tired of beating the shit out of myself like I am I got none left like I surrender 
to the universe, to aliens, to everything. <laughs> like there's not much left in there. And um, I got exactly, you know, what I, what I needed. So I'm glad this is the topic today and I'm gonna have more grace for myself. Um, I did get a chance to listen to your to podcast just earlier today. Um, you and I are on similar tracks, for sure. The difference for me is that I grew up in a situation where it was all about control, and I didn't have any. I didn't have any avenue. My little one um, didn't have new. I think I knew probably around the time I was two that I, I was on my own. There was no way to talk to. There was nobody to feel my pain or listen. The dichotomy between that, knowing that now and having done already done a lot of work, a lot of my work has been around for just starting to acknowledge what discernment even is, like being able to distinguish between what is my pain and somebody else's has just been like just that and that was like that in and of itself and and understanding that i was the, the, the scapegoat inside my family family dynamic inside of that cesspool crazy nut bar place of chaos so the desire to suppress really what i'm still experiencing is really really intense pain whenever i come up against somebody poking at my somebody else poking at my um, my attachment wounds or me doing it myself is just excruciating still um so i understand what you were saying in your in your podcast today the fact that things are not linear and that it's painfully slow on top of everything else you can't go fast and uh particularly my like I have a really angry, prickly 14-year-old inside me who has been brooding in his basement apartment for most of my life. And he just wants to get the fuck out. And I really, it takes everything I have to just turn around and listen to him. Just let him rail. Whatever, do whatever he has to do just to get it out because otherwise he'll just go into some he just well it's going to happen this is another thing that's going to happen anyway i'm just he's just going to go into some deep pit of hopelessness and he's just going to lay on the couch or smoke joints and do whatever he wants to um to make the time pass and skim over the pain i want it to go faster he wants it to go faster that's all i can say The truth of the matter, my dear shit shows, is that there is a huge overlap in those of us who grew up in a dysfunctional family and those of us who are suffering from ADHD. I myself got diagnosed with ADHD about a year ago, and getting this diagnosis and treating this diagnosis has made such a difference in my productivity and getting shit done. Now, let me tell you about Done. Done is an online ADHD care platform where you can get all the resources you need to help manage your ADHD. 
Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, one-click refills, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy copays as low as $0. Visit get.donefirst.com slash podcast to learn more. Again, that is get.donefirst.com slash podcast. Done. Turn ADHD into your strength. Hey guys, I am making myself share tonight because I um, am in something like an emotional flashback. I think I just got home from a giant fucking Christmas concert and. I hated every minute of it, and I think I'm starting to understand the level of self-abandonment that I go through when I put these performances on for the public and for my school and for my principal that make them look good. And your solo episode was amazing. It was it was so good, and there was so much in there that that I um, learned and that helped me. And um, I'm just also like, I needed some place to go. This is the first time after every time that I've had these concerts, I go. So I grew up performing. Um, I was on stage from the age of five until, you know, I started having my family. And that was the only place that I could get my um, mother's attention. And I also, I come from a really dysfunctional home, like uh, all of us. And like, I'm just, I'm waking up, you know, I'm waking up and, and I've been in this job that I'm at for three years and I have progressively hated it more and more and more. And it doesn't have to do with the teaching. Like, I am a music, te- an elementary music teacher, and I love teaching kids. And I'm also seeing, I'm waking up to like the unhealed and broken people around me that are not taking care of these kids and that aren't helping. And so I don't know how to. I'm trying to figure out how to be in this profession without abandoning myself. And I'm not like I'm speaking up and it's being just like, if it would have been a concert with 30 kids, I probably could have had fun, but I don't feel my limbs. Like I, I start, I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my arms. Um, I have 120 kids in front of me. There's nobody to help with the sound or the lights or to help teach any of their parts. It's just me. And I go back to when I was five and being shook and woke up to get on stage and and never ever having the chance to express the terror that i felt going in front of these 
huge crowds of people to perform. But I was always told that it was all, we were just wanting to do what you wanted. We just wanted what was best for you. And so I'm, I'm in this unraveling of this, these knots of the, the thing that kept the music that kept me alive and the, <clears throat> and the pain that I have when these performances come up. And so I just, I talked to my therapist about it and, and he said, you need to tell them that you're available to teach for the rest of the year, but no more concerts. You just, this is insane. Like, and it's not like I just have one. I mean, it's like once every two weeks, I do 120 kids here and then I do 120 and then, and everybody is just like, where's our trick pony? And I'm living in the system that I grew up in where as long as you shine and perform for us, then you are a worthwhile part of this family system and it's happening at work. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that you guys are here because I'm really like, it does make me feel like I want to die. It does make me feel like I want to die. And it seems like the better the performance was, the more that I go into these feelings of, um, into those feelings. And so it sucks. And I am so glad that my kids are asleep tonight when I got home. And you know, my husband asked me how it went and I said, it went great. And I hated every minute of it. So, um, thank you so much for your episode. And I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to do some breathing and I ate something and, uh, just thank you guys for, for all your shares. Hey everybody. Um, uh, I do this. Um, yeah. Um, uh, the podcast, like that, uh, the newest one was amazing. I listened to it twice, and we'll probably listen to it another time. Because um, yeah, I definitely relate to like waking up in a flashback. Like sometimes it's the first thing that happens when I wake up, and it's like it's like it's hard to get out of something that you're like constantly your brain is like putting you in through these things over and over again. So it's hard to even like have that space to be like, what is happening? How do I get out of this? Um, because it kind of is your mind at that moment. Um, so uh, really loved all the like insight you had there and like the passages from the book you quoted. I'm definitely going to like um, pick that up when I can. <clears throat> in terms of abandonment, I think I was like, I've been very much thinking about the ways I was abandoned without consciously realizing it until like recently. Like, um, so my, my, uh, mom died when I was little and my mom's parents raised me and they threw me into therapy when I was like 11, 12, because I was like acting out and withdrawing. And, uh, 
they acted so differently in the therapist's office. And really what was going on was that like I was being abused, I was being neglected. Um, they were yelling constantly. It was just not a safe place to grow up. It was not like a place where I like, got mirrored or like lo really loved that much. So uh, just being in my 30s now and looking back on that time and being like, oh, like I was the scapegoat of the family. Like I was an easy out for everybody to like just blame it on me and um, pilot on me, take me to therapy, act like it's all my fault. And I think what's so frustrating looking back is that the therapist never asked their role in it like they never he never really probed like hey like maybe there's a reason outside of this 12 year old that this is happening and uh I, yeah like we're just let down by so many teachers and adults who should have known better and now that i'm an adult it's hard to like it's hard to imagine like not seeing that and thinking about that stuff so yeah it's really really tough but, but yeah thanks for thanks for listening thanks for everybody for sharing Hi, everybody. Um, I, Andrea, I really love that podcast. I was out walking my dogs and I popped in my earbuds and I put it on. And in the whole beginning, when you were like, this is going to be horrible, this is going to suck, I was like, I know I'm going to love this. And um, it really helped me contextualize a lot of the stuff that I'm going through with my recovery and and everything else. So um, I meant to drop you a note and say that so that you would know that I really appreciate that you that you had the courage and the bravery to just sit there, not next to your cat box, but like just in front of the <laughs> microphone and, and share yourself with us the way you did. Um, I also had severe separation anxiety when I was around 11 or 12. And it was amazing because it would hit me after school and I was a latchkey kid. So I would actually walk to where my mom worked after school through San Francisco and hang out in her office until the end of her work day. And she would get frustrated and annoyed and just want me to get over it. And um, with my dad on his weekends, his response to me having this anxiety of separation was to demand that I stay at home alone while he would go and run errands with my sister. And I would just be at home and have these horrendous panic attacks till I would fall asleep, exhausted. So yay, you know, <laughs> um, that happened. Um, but I had to write down what I was thinking of. And I would say that, and my mom had issues and she was in out of mental institutions and there was drug abuse and there were boyfriends and you know all the stuff all the stuff full catastrophe living it was it was what it was it got me here but when i was listening to your podcast i i just wrote down that the most painful abandonment was the deeply self-inflicted abandonment that was required of me in order to gain the care that i needed the attention that I needed, the affection that I needed, the acknowledgement and the affirmation that I needed. I truly believe that we're all hardwired for that form of connection. And when you don't get it in your recipe as a kid, and I'm realizing that I have a very neurospicy recipe and here I am almost 11 years sober and it's coming up again. And so yet again, I'm finding like, 
like you said, Andrea, like, yeah, there's this clockwork where you stay sober long enough, you hit a whole new bottom of self-awareness, of self-acknowledgement, of what the fuck I thought I got there. And um, I trained myself into faking it to make it in order to fit in and would work myself into situations where I didn't belong at all and would eventually just flip out and have to leave because I didn't belong. And it wasn't that people were rejecting me. It was that I knew I didn't belong there, but I just needed that acknowledgement. And it was so contradictory to myself, my higher self, my soul, my recovery, my mental health. And it's also destructive to any community to have someone who doesn't belong there, being there, trying to belong. Um, so I'm learning who the fuck I am. And all of my most precious moments in life have been in nature by myself or nursing my babies to sleep and reading them stories and having time with my children. And I've always been myself with my children. And I've been made aware by my therapist that the way I raised my children was to completely attune to who they were. So I, I did not repeat that pattern. And I thank recovery for that. I thank my intuition for that. There's just so much complex post-traumatic stress that it's so hard to catch it. And I really love that about your podcast too. Catching myself when I find myself trying to fake myself, when I catch myself slapping on a smile and saying, oh, I'm good, how are you? Like all the code switching, all the, you know, niceties. And I just kind of, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Um, but when it comes to that abandonment, I just, I, I just want to affirm, like, don't, have, don't abandon myself anymore. Just, just be with me and, and how painful that is sometimes. And today I felt utterly useless. I was time blind and I just, I was like, okay, you know what? And, and I just, I just folded some laundry and put in some earplugs and cleaned the bathroom and took a nap. Like, that's all I had. That's all I had. And that's a freaking win. We have folded underwear. All of us. 